Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Thank you so much. I'm just going to sit this here. I actually wanted to say something else about Yvonne and Aaron while I'm still embarrassing them because, you know... We're very grateful for what you did and have done downstairs in that room, and we I know how much work it's taken. But what really impresses me is that they are pastors at heart. They take people into their home, they love them, their grace is abundant, and that is what the kingdom of God is about. It costs to love. You've heard me say it many times, if love is not costing you, then it's not the Jesus kind of love. And so, I'm just, just thank you again. But also, what a, what a great week, really encouraged by this fasting week and, and prayer and the prophetic night. And I remember I had a word for Christelle and that she's got a God in her, her secret place with Him is developing a prophetic, profound authority that he's going to give you pictures and words over cities, over this city, over Lund and Skåne, that are going to be a part of bringing down the enemy and raising up his kingdom. Really excited to see that develop. But also I had a word for Matthew, which I didn't give him on Thursday, because I just, well, I don't know, didn't get around, no. (laughs) We actually didn't have the opportunity. But (laughs) it's interesting because just what you shared this morning, Matthew, um, and I'll try to put what I sense into words, and that is the complexity of your life is no match to the grace and energy that God will give you. That He is your secret source. You are a highly structured, organized, high-capacity guy, but it is not in your strength that you will manage this year. It is in your time with the Lord. There's another level for you this year in so many areas of your life, but in the area of bringing structure and organization to all these areas that you mentioned. Whenever you feel anxious, you know you need to get before God. Whenever you feel overwhelmed, that is the place to run to. And then as you develop that equally to the responsibilities, like Pastor Phil talks about, the word level has to be equal to your responsibility level. The word level has to be equal to your anxiety level, the challenge level, the breakthrough that you need. And that's where you're going to, I just get this sense, it's like you're going to pull into your workplace and it's like, hear me, it's like, it's almost you don't care what the day has because it's all going to be good. And then the things that, ang- that are an anxiety and concern to you that you feel like you've got to get on top of, as soon as you spend time with Lord, and it might be one minute, it might be five minutes, it might be an hour, suddenly you've got a fresh perspective on that issue. He's a creative God, and he's got creative solutions for you in leadership in this new industry. Ask him for it. In Jesus' name. Well, this is a very exciting service. As you know, we get to this season at the start of every year, and for some reason there's a grace on me to get so excited about today. And that is because Maria Stahl has made so many Semler, 
So we're just going to skip Vision Sunday, go straight to Fika. Sit down, John. Make sure there's one left for me, everybody. Two. Good. I remember when we came to the city as a, as a family with four young kids under 10. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. The combination of excitement and fear. Stepping out in faith to start this church. We didn't know anybody. There wasn't a group of people waiting for us. There wasn't a band going, we're ready, we're ready, ready, let's go. Nothing. Susan had her guitar and I had my very average preaching. And that was it. Our set-up crew were our children. We had plastic boxes that filled our entrance and filled our van every second, every weekend. They unpacked and they packed. Four kids under ten. People would come because we were the new church plant in Malmö. And there's a population of Christians that kind of just float from one church to the next, to the latest and to the greatest, thinking that this new church is going to bring revival and change the world. This was their language. And they would ask me, so what's your vision? Tell me your vision. In other words, impress me because I've heard it all and I want to hear something different. And I knew that was a manipulative question. And I, if you know me, I'm not going to entertain that. I said, the vision hasn't changed. If you're talking about this church that we want to establish, it's really simple. We want to build a church that is healthy, strong and self-multiplying that will be a force for Christ in this city and region. If that doesn't push your buttons, you're in the wrong place. Because quite simply, we don't have a vision for this church. But Jesus does. All we have to do is align ourselves with His vision. Interpret His vision through our nature, our personality, our character. But He's the one with the vision, not us. We're following his call, his leadership, his ways in bringing about his name into this region. So I am very excited about today. Very, very excited about today. And so as a primer, as a preliminary message to this coming Saturday night, for those that are coming, you're coming because I want to get this is us together in our house and getting into a bit more detail about what God's doing and going to do. That we would be together, recognize God's doing something wonderful and amazing in our midst. And so please come early because we're going to start right on the dot. And so today I want to do a primer, a message Because we get so many people from different parts of Christianity, and I just want to always create a baseline of understanding about his church, the power of the local church. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know I preach this and I will preach this until Jesus comes back because this is what all Jesus is all about. And so what I find amazing when I look at the life of Jesus, let me just, that's better. When I look at the life of Jesus on earth, and he did so many amazing things, 
you know, I'm 20 years past when Jesus was his most effective. Those little window of opportunity in his early 30s where he changed the world. And I, I look at what he did, how he was so confrontive to current standards and attitudes and understanding. He did not hold back with his disciples. He did not hold back with the religious attitudes of the day. He did miracles all over the place from feeding the 5,000 how many times, calming the sea. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But the thing he did do beyond all of that was that he set something in motion. Something he said about the future. It was future-focused. He cast a vision in Matthew 16. He said, I will build my church. In Matthew 16, he says, but you know what? You're included. I will build my church. You know, he didn't stand back when he was on earth, when he was about to be crucified, and he kind of cast this vision with his disciples and he hopes just to set something in motion and give it a good spin and hope the momentum carries long enough. When he said, I will build my church, he said, I am taking responsibility for this. This is something I am doing. It's quite an interesting little twist on that statement. You see, it's not man's idea. It was his. It was his heart, his sacrifice, his mission. And it says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? Who, what, what's trending on social media about me? When they replied, some, some say John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, and others said prophets. Then he asked them, yeah, but hang on a second, let's get down to it. What? And who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I, I, I think he answered it just like that, like he didn't even know the words were coming out of his mouth. And all the other disciples would have gone, what? I mean, the kind of thought was in our minds, but we didn't dare say it. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because... My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter, the rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. You see, God builds his church upon the revelation that you have. We are all Peters here. We all have revelation that the Father has given us about Jesus Christ. And he says, it's upon that truth that cannot be taken from you. That truth of your testimony, the truth of your heart and the passion cannot be taken from you. Upon that rock, I will build my church. There's more. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whenever you forbid on earth, will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Christelle, you're going to forbid things on earth and you're going to call things to earth. There's an authority. I love that this is Jesus' idea, the church. 
I love that he believes in the church, that he's taken responsibility for it and he shares it with us. We live in a culture that is constantly pulling us apart into individualistic mindsets. By contrast, the Holy Spirit pulls us together and says, be my church. By contrast, he says, move from your individualistic ways to a dependent way. From an independent to dependent on his body as we come together. The Bible reminds us of what a local church is all about. And I just want to hit a few bullet points around that as we go on to more about what God is doing. In John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are mine. What a, what a statement. What a responsibility we have. What a responsibility we have with all the color and diversity that we are as C3 Church. That the one identifying factor will be the quality of the love that we have for each other. Because you recognize that there's a, in the gathering there is power. When the world pulls people apart, half of Stockholm live by themselves. I've worked in whole apartment buildings having to go to every single apartment to do something. And I've got to tell you, it's filled with lonely people going out and buying a dog. The world is pulling us apart and the Holy Spirit is bringing us together and breathing fire on us and filling us with purpose. No one believes in the body of Christ no one, believe, I believe that no one in themselves, by themselves, can be the body of Christ. It is only when we are together that we express the fullness of God's community of faith. When we are separated, we are vulnerable. I don't believe we can claim to be a follower of Christ if we are not committed to a specific group of disciples. I can't claim to follow Christ if I don't bother to get together with other Christians. It's a part of who we are. We first are saved through Jesus Christ. We are forgiven, set free. We, we take on the grace of his salvation. That's, an, that's a personal, intimate experience. This next step is to be birthed into his body. It is in that context that we're talking about today. You can't have one without the other. The commitment of relationship to one another, the intention, the sacrifice of love is what seals us as different to the rest of the world. That we fight the selfish aspect of isolation. That we recognize that the church is a, is a, is a, is a gym. It's a place where we work out. It's a classroom where we learn how to live in grace with one another. Where we learn to operate in the gift of love, the gift of grace, the gift of word of knowledge, the gift of encouragement, the gift of serving, the gift of giving, the list goes on. We can't learn these things by myself. I can't. I can only do it when I'm with you. I can only learn to become more like Jesus when I'm with you. 1 Corinthians 12.6, if, if one part suffers, 
all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honoured, all the parts are glad. We have these prayer cards because we ask that you would give us the privilege to carry your burdens. The leaders pray for your burdens, your concerns, what gives you a knot in your neck, what keeps you up at night. Will you give us that privilege? Susan and I carry what hurts you, what worries you, and we pray. It matters to us. At the same time, we celebrate how many awesome testimonies have we heard in the last weeks. How fantastic to hear this latest one. A living testimony, fresh and crisp, straight out of life. That we celebrate with you as well. It fuels me when I hear your testimony. It says, yes, we can keep doing this. Every time I hear a string of testimony, I go, Lord, one day we'll have a testimony every single Sunday. Speaking of your activity in our life. That you're alive and well and you see us in our details. So we don't walk this walk by ourselves. We need to show each other in practical ways the enormous capacity of Jesus' love and the extraordinary nature of his grace. How can we ever grow in maturity? How can we ever grow spiritually? How can we ever grow emotionally without being in the context of the body of Christ? without being involved in his mission. I don't believe there is a spectator stand at the game of salvation and grace. I don't believe there's a bench for us to sit on. We're all players in this game. And the problem I see as a pastor, when I look back over the past generations, we've discipled generations to be spectators, just to turn up the church, to receive and go home. But Scripture calls us that the body of Christ is a functioning, active, living organism for one purpose, and that is to make His name famous wherever we are. That we all have a role to play in the game. Yes, in the sense there is a bench, because sometimes we need a break. Sometimes we're hurting. Sometimes we just need to get healed up because we sprained an ankle on the field. But I've got to tell you, we're all players. We all carry a jersey. We all have a number and a position. He calls us the body of Christ for that reason. In Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly, which is amazing. It's hard enough just in your own family. Hello? Do I need to say the word marriage? I see that kitty. Leave him alone. Let me repeat that. He makes the whole body fit together. Only God could do that. Only God could even conceive of that as each part plays its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. Hello. So that the whole body is healthy and growing in full of love. There's at least 50 times or more in the New Testament we see the phrase one another or each other. 
We are commanded to love each other, pray for each other, encourage one another, admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to each other, devote ourselves to each other. I'll stop there. The biblical church is a local church in action by the combined working and gifting of its members. We disciple people in this church. We disciple people in this church because God has called us to. He's called us to increase, to grow. We need more leaders. We need more worship leaders, more musicians, more media people, sound people. We need more people in the fika and the setup, serving in the cleanup, in the kids' ministry downstairs. The list goes on in the youth ministry. There is a place for you. And it is in the serving that your discipling happens the best. I consider every team leader as a pastoral role. To take care of the people on their team. To be engaged in their life. It's not just a function, a structure, a roster to be filled out on a spreadsheet. It's a living discipling mechanism in the body of Christ where we fit and work together for His name. So yeah... We have quite a list of people looking, needing for all the different departments in this church. You see that we have about five or six different preachers on the preaching roster, on the serving leading roster. Why? Because we're making disciples. So, God's strategy to reach, to reach this region. God's strategy to reach this city, to reach Lund, really is completely found within these four walls. But we do it together. I remember when uh, we first came to Sweden, back in, back in Sydney, I, I enjoy having a grill. I've discovered that there's a whole new level when it comes to grill that I cannot achieve, and that's to do with South Africans. I, I feel a lesser man because I don't measure up to their passion and commitment to the grill and the rules and structures they have around that ceremony. But in Australia, we lived in the suburbs of Sydney, and I had a gas grill. Sorry, South Africans. I had a gas grill simply because it's convenient. Turn it on, we're on. Done, finished, turn it off. Came here, gas was really expensive. I was just grilling all through summer and I'm like, wow, this gas, I'm going through the gas. So I went to the charcoal briquettes and discovered the ceremony of standing around the grill. It wasn't just an outside kitchen. There was something more to it. It's interesting because when you pour the coal briquettes into the, the, the plate, you stack them up and you pour the fluid on and you light it. And you give it 10, 15, 20 to let the flame ignite the briquettes and get the briquettes hot. And I was thinking about that and I thought, man, that's just like the body of Christ. See? Grill illustration, body of Christ, pretty good. 
That's just like the body of Christ. You see, you don't take each briquette with a lighter and light it separately and place it by itself. You pull them together. You pull on the, the liquid of the Holy Spirit and then Jesus ignites it. And we all get hot and passioned for his cause. But you know what I have found when you make that pile of briquettes? There's always one or two that fall off that pile. Isn't there? There's always one or two you've got to chase and bring back and put them back on. You know where I'm going. There's always, and then, and then you come back and another one's fall. You've got to pick it back up. Come on, back on the pile. Pulling them back into the body of Christ. Because the devil's tactics is to separate us. And the sheep leaves its group and it leaves its herd. It's the most vulnerable for attack. We can't do this journey by ourselves. It is in our gathering that he ignites us and we find our purpose. For we are God's masterpiece in Ephesians 2. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus in you, you in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things He planned for us long ago. God has a plan. He has a strategy. Jesus said, I will build my church upon this rock. He didn't just set a wheel in motion and sit back in heaven and go, gee, I hope it rolls a long way. He said, no, I'm engaged right here today. We are a result of those statements spoken over Peter. We are that church he is building. I believe in the power of Jesus Christ in the local church. When we first came, we met with a lot of pastors. And I sensed there was a real frustration in the body of Christ in Sweden. There were, the people were meeting us because we were C3 Church coming to Sweden. That seemed to get some people's attention. And they were curious and wondering. And, and, and when they would talk about their experience... I'd get this sense of hopelessness, like God had forgotten Sweden. Like, we're waiting for Benny Hinn to turn up to bring revival and bring change to the whole nation. The next great evangelist, the next great speaker, the hope of the world, the next ministry. They've given up on the local church. There must be a plan B. What is it, Quentin? God's always had a plan A, and there is no plan B. And it's our turn, because there's a crowd of witnesses watching us, cheering us on. God has the power and authority. God has the gifts and the anointing, and he gives it all to us. One of the last points I want to make is that when God established the church... He gave us spiritual protection in the form of shepherd leaders. Leaders, pastors, we call them shepherd leaders. I think you can work that out. To protect, to care, to defend for our spiritual welfare. In Hebrews 13 it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them, a, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Do you realize that Susan and I have shepherd leaders in our life? This doesn't end here. We have leaders 
in our lives that care for us, that know our children's names, that have given to us. We faced some very challenging years in the beginning and they loved us, cared for us, gave to us, empowered us, blessed us. It's so important. It's, they are there for our good. They are there for our good. God has designed us to be together. Can I, can I just bring in a little personal sidebar here? And that is, when I was growing up, being a Christian was going to church. And we would go at least three times a month. At least, if not four times a month. And the new standard today that I have heard from pastors in Australia and America and other parts of Europe is if you're a Christian today, you go to church once a month. So much preparation goes into every service. The person's preaching has spent at least 16 hours, probably 32 hours, preparing that message to be given to you. The worship team comes on a Friday and they're here early on a Sunday. The media, the service leader and the preparation, the organization of every single detail that you would get in an encounter with the living God. Can I ask you, based on what we've heard so far, the importance of coming together, to make a commitment as a family, as a couple, that this is number one priority. You see, I grew up in a culture, a church culture in Australia, where the most important day of the week was Sunday. It wasn't the least, the optional, the maybe get to day. Because people started to get the revelation, without Sunday, my week's going to be pretty average. Without Sunday, my coal is going to fall off the pile and glow slowly cold. Can I encourage you? to make a commitment. There's couples in this church that have come up to me and said, Quentin, we've made a commitment as a family value. We will be in church as often as we physically can. There isn't many effective weekends in the year. With the summer holidays, we've got sports love coming up. That's two weekends. Sickness, visiting relatives in other parts of the world or the nation. There's all these things and so I'm actually going to work out on a calendar how many effective weekends we have as a church. You'll be surprised at how few there are. Can I encourage you to take every opportunity to be a part of your body as often as you can? Is that okay? Again, I just wanted to share a story as a part of this Vision Sunday. When I first, when I was preparing to come to Sweden, in that preparation period, I went and studied theology and got a degree in theology. I went to seminars. I met with pastors that I, I wanted to connect with and talk about church planting. I, I read books. I did courses. I did everything you physically could do to be prepared to come and plant a church here. But can I just say there was one thing that stands out above all else that prepared me for this moment. And that was being discipled in a healthy, flourishing church. 
No book, no conference, no seminar, no Bible college can prepare me like being discipled in a great church. And that was Pastor Richard and Sue's church. We just joined that church and within three weeks I'm thinking, well, I want to get involved. And so I jumped into the youth ministry. One thing led to the next and suddenly I was on staff. Jump in. When we landed here, I was reading books from church planters and trying to find a map forward. How do you start a church in a foreign culture that's quite averse to Christianity? And I was reading books and and looking at things and, and, and trying to work out where do we begin with all of this. And the funny thing is, God started to speak to me. God started to say to me, you know, Quentin, I can actually remember the words. You've got too many voices in your head. There are other people's stories. There are other people's journeys of faith that I walked with them. I've got one to walk with you. Let's write our own book. Let's write our own book. And he said to me, Quentin, it's really, I want to make it really clear and simple for you. And he gave me three words for our church in the early years of, this, of, the, ch- of the season of the church. And those three words, keep it simple, keep it focused, and keep it anointed. Simple, focused, anointed. That will be a book because they're words for life. Keep life simple. Know what is important and keep it focused. And above all else, make sure God's hand of favor is on you. Keep it anointed. Because the other two won't matter. And so, I've, over the years, I've got this book of things God has said to me personally, but other things that God has said through other people. And, and, and it's just been an absolute prophetic journey in building this church. And as we come into this season, as we finish our first 10 years and have our 10-year anniversary, even before coming to this location, God was speaking to me about the new season coming. You see, the new season didn't start when we landed in this location. It had started a year or two in my own heart. This was just the confirmation of it. And then our anniversary uh, year just was the cherry on top of that cake. Line drawn in the sand, and that was the past, and now here's the future. And the leaders have heard me pray these three words. They're familiar with it, but for the rest of you, maybe not. And he gave me three more words for this new season. And I want to unpack that a little bit with you today as we begin to wrap up. I was going to show you something, but I won't anymore. That was. And those three words are for our future. Those three words have everything to do with the kind of church that God is building right here. And those three words are His presence, His power, and His prosperity. Already we are experiencing His overwhelming presence in worship in prayer. He wants to see us mature and grow in the areas of his power. Jesus said to Peter, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you bound in heaven will be, whatever you will be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. I've got to tell you, there's authority that we are yet to walk in that we will loose and that we will bind. And that's coming for us. And God wants us to walk in it. 
I can't wait, and I've shared this vision before, and I'm just waiting till I can completely finish carpentry so I can focus on this, and that is that we will have a night of miracles because that's lacking in this city. To see God's power come into people's lives, that people will gather from all around this city and worship and experience His breakthrough in their life. How awesome would that be? That's taking ground. And there's some things around that I want to share on Saturday night around that area of power. And the third one is His prosperity. We're in a season where we will prosper and bear fruit. Where we will prosper and bear fruit. That people in this church will prosper and bear fruit in their lives. The first season of the church was about digging the foundation. Digging the foundation is a little bit challenging. Do you know why? You're below surface level. You're looking down in the hole, throwing the dirt out, ready for the concrete and the reinforcement. It's hard work, but it's got to be done. We're not there anymore. We're now building the floors, the first floor. We can see it now. We're starting to see it. The level's going up. Prosperity is upon this church, but yet we're just still beginning. There's a sense of just beginning upon us. We're not finished. God's not finished. And I'm so excited about seeing us mature and grow around His presence, around His power, and around His prosperity. It's within our DNA. Can I just ask the band to come up and I'll just finish up with this last thought. It's in our DNA, the very same mission, the very same words of Jesus Christ, His very nature. This coming Saturday at the gala, I'm going to ask us to sacrifice because I don't think this can be done unless we are willing to sacrifice. That we're willing to pay a love that will cost. That we're willing to heal that will cost. I don't believe anything that God has for us to do is convenient or easy. It will cost us to sacrifice. And somehow there's an equation where I sacrifice, somehow Christ is revealed more. Where I sacrifice, Christ's love is more penetrating. Where I sacrifice, His grace is abundant. It's an interesting equation that God has come up with. And so do you know why I believe in the local church? Because it's God's vision. It's the stuff of eternity. We're pointing people to a hope, to a joy, to an expectation of heaven that goes far beyond just the challenges and the everyday that we face here on earth. We are the only institution on earth that deals with this, that deals with eternity, that deals with God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's judgment. And there's people in your world and mine that are going to the wrong destination. And we're placed there with His grace, with His love, And the easiest way to do it is to say, hey, why don't you come over for dinner? Hey, why don't you grab a coffee? Hey, we've got a grill down the road. Do you want to join us? You see, love is easy. Just be friends and let the Holy Spirit do the rest.
Every event that we have in this church is for this one reason. Every event that we have, the pre-Easter service coming up, fill the house with your friends. Super Kids Fun Day. What we used to have Yule Fest and Advent all the, the men's grill. The men's grill is all about this cause, the cause of Jesus Christ and making him famous in every single life that we know. So can I encourage you? There are people in your world. Let's invite them to church. I remember, I remember a statement that a pastor made many years ago. He said, friends bring friends and that's how the kingdom of God grows. For some of us, that statement's too easy. For some of us, that statement's too hard. But that's the truth of it. Let's bring friends and see the kingdom of God grow in this nation. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just open up our hearts and lift up our hands. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you have spoken over this church, that you, you blow your flame amongst us and make us red hot for your cause. Just pray over this week and coming into the gala and the, and the series on Sunday, Lord, that you will continue to turn lights on, that a lever will go from indifferent to a yes, that I want to I give of myself, Lord, for your cause. I feel like I've been a spectator, but Lord, I, I want to be on the field. I want to wear your jersey. I want to I connect in love. I want to give in love. I want to I be able to provide financially for your cause, Lord. Call me. Set me aside for this reason, Lord. Your church was your, your plan. Your idea, your strategy. There is no other plan. This is it. We are it. And Lord, we commit ourselves to your vision. We commit ourselves to your leadership. We commit ourselves to your way. We're just so blessed to be one of your kids. We're so blessed to be in your house. It's so special to you. You call it the bride, your bride, and you tell us to prepare the bride for your coming. Our heart, Lord, is to honor you in this way, that over the coming 10 years, over the coming years, your bride will be made beautiful. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We give you glory. We love you in this house. In Jesus' name, amen.